Good morning. It is great to see you and to be here with you. We appreciate the effort that you make, uh, the commitment to be a part of the worship of God's people. We are reminded over and over these days of how good God's design in creating the church, a body to be committed to one another, uh, people caring for each other. So this is not just uh, another Sunday. Uh, Today is somewhat historic. Uh, In the history of our church, this is the first time anyone's ever preached in shorts. But I, I felt I had the legs to carry it off. My father being a pioneer, someone who plows the ground is ahead of his time, has committed to preaching in a tank top the next time he is scheduled to preach. So we're, uh, we're excited for that. <laughs> My mom may sit farther away that week. We have uh, been in a series on gospel values. The qualities that we want to emphasize because they're the qualities that flow out of the lives of those who are committed to following Christ, who know him, who've had him change our hearts. These are the qualities that we want to see be the culture of our church. We want to lift them up, commend them, encourage each other in them. And we praise God every time we see them in one another. Today, we lift up the gospel value of gratitude. Our text is a, a brief statement in scripture in 1 Thessalonians Chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Our Heavenly Father, we seek your presence to work in our hearts that your word would be heard not just by our ears, but within our heart, that our eyes would see your truth, how it should work in our lives, that you would bring the wondrous change and maturation that comes from those who love you deeply. And through that, we would impact others, which is your heart for this world, your heart for us. And so we ask for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Gratitude is God's will, which means... That gratitude is a command from God. In the previous chapter, uh, verse 3, we're told that it's God's will that we would be sexually pure. Now, we expect those types of moral commands from Scripture. 
but we may not consider something such as gratitude as being a command. We think of gratitude as being when someone has done something kind for us. Or when we're reflecting on the abundance that we had. In short, our view of gratitude often can be that we express it when we have a reason. And that's why gratitude is a command. Because in Christ, we always have reason for gratitude. We always have reason to be a thankful people who are expressing that gratitude as an overflow of our lives. Gratitude is a gospel value because it is the appropriate response to being in Christ. For notice, uh, the, the foundation of why we're told it's God's will that we would be thankful is in Christ. It is because of the relationship we have with him. Our gratitude is not something we just are to conjure up because it would seem nice. It should flow out of the realities within us. The gospel is what Christ has done for us. He has set sinners free through his death on the cross. God's natural orientation toward us is not one of anger. And then Christ has to rush in to appease his father so he wouldn't be angry anymore. God created us out of the abundance of love and graciousness in his heart, placing us in a world that would fill us with delight, setting us in relationship with him, meant to be intimate and joy-filled, and we cast all that aside and turned our backs on God filled with love and grace. We have rebelled and have denied the truth, causing God who is perfect and just, forcing God to have to bring justice against us. Justice and penalty against sin is not God's natural position. It is one he must take because of our sin. God's natural position is one of great love and grace. And so seeing our need and desiring that we might be with him forever. God sent his son. That he would step in our place. The one truly God becomes truly man. Lives a truly holy life goes to the cross in order to pull our guilt upon himself, dies bearing the wrath of God for our sin, paying the price in full, so the debt is paid. And whoever calls upon the Lord, take my sin, forgive me, receive me. 
Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the heart of God. That is the gospel. It is this wondrous revealing of the heart of God, the commitment of God and of his son to take our sin, to make life whole and good for us. And the moment we entrust ourselves to the gospel of Christ, the Bible uses the description now of us that we are in Christ. Everyone who trusts in the gospel immediately is in Christ. Which means that the Holy Spirit of God does a work beyond human comprehension, behind human capacity. God himself unites us to Christ and all that he has done. He creates a supernatural bond so that everything Christ has done on this earth becomes ours. So Jesus' righteous life becomes ours. Jesus' death becomes ours. We died, Scripture says, with Christ. His defeat of death and coming out of the grave and resurrection is something we share. We are joined with everything Christ has done. It is as if we had accomplished it. That's how fully those deeds belong to us. And it's not just what Christ has done. It is his standing in heaven. He is the beloved son of God. And we are now the beloved sons and daughters of God. We are part of his household. The Bible goes as far as to say that we are now co-heirs with Christ. In his works, in his standing, the gospel joins us to the glories of what only Christ could do. The glorious standing that only he could have in the heavenly places. And now all of that belongs to us. And it will never be taken and it can never be lost. You cannot mess up your salvation. Because Christ has accomplished everything that saves you. In Christ. The gospel rules over all of your past. The entirety of your guilt. Every bit of shame that you have tucked away. That you don't anyone to see or know. All of that shame and guilt. It's been expunged. God does not see it. He has cast it behind himself. He has committed to not remembering or seeing it anymore. In Christ, the gospel rules over our present. Everything, without exception, that happens to you is encompassed 
by the sovereignty of God and is filled with his grace. Nothing can happen to you in Christ that does not have the grace of God embedded in it. You never experience anything that is graceless, no matter what people intend. And in Christ, the gospel rules over, rules over our future. We will live forever in the glorious reign of Christ. As Christ himself prayed to the Father that where I am, I desire that they would be with me. The desire of Christ is to spend his forever with you. That is what it means to be in Christ. That is what the gospel brings to us. And so believer, you who are in Christ... You always have reason for gratitude. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ for you. The phrase in all circumstances could just as easily be translated at all times. And really, Paul probably has both expressions in mind. In all your circumstances, at all times, the will of God, the command of God, the desire of God for you is to have a heart of gratitude. Now, how can we be thankful at all times when we recognize hard and grievous circumstances still take place? It is because we realize in Christ there is more true going on than the pain of our burden, than the frustration of how we're being treated, than the discouragement of circumstances. More is true than what we just feel and see. The full work of God's grace is true. And that is the greater reality. There is a difference between being always thankful and being only thankful. The Bible calls us to be always thankful. It doesn't say only thankful. The Bible says there is a time to grieve. There is a time for tears. There are hurts. God created us as people with the capacity to hurt, not just physically, but to hurt relationally, to hurt emotionally. We can have those responses and feelings. They are real. There are times and places for them. But that's not all that we have. Behind, underneath, tears and grief and sorrow, there remains gratitude. 
Because the greatest reality of our life is always that we are in Christ. And so we bring honor to God when we are people of gratitude. Because it is then the display, not just to the world and to each other, it is a display to God that we truly believe that the gospel is the greater reality. Gratitude in all times expresses that we believe what God has said. And that we do see Christ as exalted above the heavenlies, that we are his. We believe all that the scripture has said and promised. It is a declaration not only of the fullness of what Christ has done, but of the veracity of the promise of God. It is the trust that God is good. And what he has ahead for us is never exaggerated. What effects does gratitude have on our life? What does that do in us? It changes our our very perspective. When our heart is filled with gratitude, it changes our perspective toward God. Because we know we are blessed by him beyond measure. So even though there are times when we don't always understand what God is doing. There are certainly times when if we could have our way, we would change how God is working. It it doesn't seem to make sense to us. We have times just of wondering. Yet we recognize even when we don't understand what God is doing, he is worthy of praise and gratitude. It changes our perspective toward fellow believers. Because we know the same work of Christ is taking place in them. The same future is true of them. The same commitment of God. Fellow believers can disappoint us. They can frustrate us. Uh, Not in this church. We're just, we're talking about, you know, overall big picture. Fellow believers are very capable of disappointing us in significant ways. And yet we recognize that even as they are disappointing us, the Holy Spirit is at work perfecting them. And he will fully accomplish his commitment to them. A grateful heart is not only grateful for the gospel in us, it's grateful for the gospel in each other. The Apostle Paul focuses on that throughout his writings to us. In almost every letter, he begins with declarations of thankfulness to the churches he's writing to. And he doesn't just express gratitude to the churches that kind of have it all together and are healthy, even to churches that he has to then go on and straighten out the mess. He begins with words of gratitude because they have faith in Christ, because their salvation is real. 
because the work of God is taking place. And he wants them to know that although he has to bring correction, I am so grateful for you. I thank God for you. Our thankfulness for one another is not to be based on merely how well they please us or fit into what we want. Our thankfulness for each other is is based upon the work of Christ. That is why in his second letter to this same church, Paul says, we ought to always give thanks to God for you. As is right. It is right that we give thanks to God for you. It's something that my heart ought to do. Because of the realities of the gospel in one another. And gratitude affects our perspective toward life. Because we know the end result is always grace. God has pulled back the curtain. He has shown us a picture of how it all ends. We know where our eternity is. We cannot grasp the grandeur of it, but we know something of the glory. We are tasting and experiencing in small ways something of the grace to come. And knowing that is our future regardless of what happens. That changes our perspective. Gratitude. That though we experience trauma and grief and pain. Even more we experience gospel promise. Gratitude also keeps our heart open to other graces. When we are truly grateful. Praise comes more quickly, doesn't it? When we're truly grateful, patience with one another is a little bit easier. When we're grateful to God, it comes more naturally for us to serve and be engaged in his work. Gratitude in our hearts, it it propels us. And at the same time, it it helps keep at bay and minimizes the negative attitudes that, that try to work their way up in our lives. When we are grateful, those negative responses no longer seem appropriate. The impatience, the anger... Bitterness, when we are thankful, bitterness doesn't seem appropriate. When we're thankful, anger doesn't seem as appropriate. How we process the pressing of negative attitudes is greatly affected by a heart that is pouring out gratitude. It doesn't leave much room for other things. And gratitude then, uh, it makes us more outward looking rather than being just inward looking. Because gratitude makes us less self-focused. It makes us less selfish because the very 
act of gratitude is a recognition for what has been received. It is an outward expression because we have received and so we are less selfish in life and attitude. And by making us less self-focused, our focus turns to God and others. We become great commandment people. Loving God, loving neighbor. Gratitude causes that to be a, a natural way to live. What other perspective would we have than to love God and neighbor when our hearts flow with thankfulness? There is a strong connection between love and thankfulness. Think of your marriage or close relationships. When you rehearse where they failed expectations, bitterness grows, doesn't it? You start to feel justified in bitterness, in anger. But when you begin reciting why you're thankful for that person, your heart is stirred and you start finding love is, is welling up and a joy begins to fill your heart when you express the reasons of thankfulness, whether it is toward God or toward people. Thankfulness spurs love. It, it's like gentle rain coming upon a farmer's field and causing growth. And at the same time, expressions of gratitude and thankfulness, it, it stops the weeds of resentment. It, it pulls them out. If you want to see your relationships become stronger, if you want to see your marriage, your relationship with your children, with other people become more uh, dynamic and loving, spend time every day expressing specifically why you're thankful. You may have to start small, but you can give reasons for thankfulness and you'll find as you start, it just grows and God begins building something strong in you for that person because thankfulness is to be more like God. It is to share his heart that can only bring goodness to life. That is why he commands it, not just because we owe him gratitude, which we do, but God knows the benefit it brings to us. And when there is an overflow of gratitude that begins splashing on other people, when our gratitude is expressed, we encourage each other. We encourage fellow believers to be faithful. There are many things we have in common, and one of them is that our enemy tries to discourage us. He cannot steal God's grace from you. He cannot alter your salvation. He, he tries to minimize it in your heart. 
and he tries to discourage you by pointing out everything he can that makes you feel weak, shameful. He tries to point what would cause you to withdraw and not try. Every believer you know struggles at times and in ways with the enemy's lying voice. Or even where the enemy points to something true, he adds false conclusions about what God thinks or how we can't serve God. When you express your thankfulness to other believers, you encourage them greatly. Because you're causing them to see what God wants them to see. That he is real and at work. And his spirit has not left. And he is accomplishing in every believer things that are praiseworthy. So don't just observe and acknowledge inside when you see something deserving thanks in other believers. Express that. So when Mike Festa is sweating over your chair, hammering that umbrella in, let him know how thankful. He's here early, sweating, laboring, running, because he loves to serve God in the church. Or perhaps it's not an action someone does for you, but you're observing a fellow believer and you see them maturing. What you're hearing from them and seeing in them, you recognize God is at work. Express that. Let them know. You observe it. You see it. It encourages them about the truth. God never stops working in his beloved. And in Christ, you are his beloved. So let's wrap up thinking, how do we cultivate gratitude? How do we see it grow? I'm just going to give a few brief thoughts. First, every day, Recount before God the reasons for gospel gratitude. Not just the temporal reasons for gratitude. We we should be thanking God that we have food to eat. Thanking God for the many blessings we have. But we want to go deeper than the things that all people have in the world. We also want to specifically Point to what we have in Christ. What has the gospel made true? What has Christ done? There should not be a day that goes by in which there is not some way where we're giving thanks to God. We should be every day. The magnitude of his grace certainly deserves that every day there would be some expression to him of our thanks. Second, serve people with the truths of the gospel and the the values of the gospel that we're speaking of. When we are serving people, not 
to get something from them. When we're serving people because we're impelled by Christ and the gospel, we're going to have an impact in people's lives. We're going to see fruit. We're going to see responses. And there is a great gratitude that comes over us when we see that God is using our life. That is a source of of great joy and gratitude. So be involved in people's lives. Thirdly, talk about the works and graces of God you experience. If you're reading scripture and there's something that just grabs your heart and mind, talk about what grabbed your heart to someone that day. When you see grace in people's lives, talk about it. When you experience God being faithful to you, even when you struggle, verbalize what is taking place within. Verbalize what God is doing. That reminds us how active God is. And the more we are all talking about the work and the graces of God, the more we're hearing it from one another, we become overwhelmed with the wonder of God's activity. And the more we see the activity of God, the the more gratitude we will have. Fourth, keep an eternal perspective. The only way the gospel gratitude makes sense is with an eternal perspective. Because the gospel calls us to live against the current of this world. The gospel calls us to not just fit in. The gospel calls us to live in a different way. At times that brings conflict. At times that makes other people uncomfortable. The gospel calls us to talk about sin and the reality that God is a judge of sin. The gospel calls us to sacrifice and to have a generosity that isn't just pointed toward us as we heard last week. The gospel calls us to deny self. Without an eternal perspective, that doesn't make sense. Well, why would we do that? Why would we not gather everything we can? The reason is because this life is a vapor and gone. It would be foolish to live for this life because we know how short it is. We're living for what does not end, knowing that it brings a deeper sense of contentment and joy in this life, but there are difficulties. We must have an eternal perspective. Why? Because it's the truth. Because it's real. Because it is foolish not to have an eternal perspective. And finally, engage with the person of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. We are not slogging through life on our own. We're not making it work by grit 
and sheer will. There is not a step we take as believers that God doesn't call us to do in the power and presence of the Spirit of God. You are not alone. You are not working on your own. You are being held by the Spirit of God who is at work in you. He's calling you to be behind him. For him to plow the ground, not for you to do it. He is calling for you to look to him and he will change the hearts of others. He's not calling you to do it. And we take take weight and burden upon ourselves that God hasn't given us. As we engage personally with the spirit of God, we're reminded we're not alone. We're not carrying it. He is with us. As we seek to know Christ, know the Spirit of God. Gratitude will flow out of our life when the person of Christ fills our life. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you with the expression of thanks our heart feeling and pouring out what we recognize our our words are inadequate to express. How do we say thank you enough to all of our sins disappearing in the ocean of your grace? How do we give thanks for being adopted as your children? How do we give Thanks for an eternity with Christ. How do we give thanks for your patience and care over us? We give what we can, what we have, and we ask that you would work a true heart of gratitude within us that the expression of outward joy and praise of you would be what people see and experience. It would be what you see and hear from us. So fill our hearts with love for you and love for your son and that it would overflow in love for those around us that many would see the truths of Christ and be drawn to him whom we love. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.